Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, dear kinsfolk. Thank you for joining me. Today we're going to be taking a look at the final parable of Yahshua, at least for this year, 2016. And if you've been with me, you will know that this is actually quite a special event for numerous reasons. I began this year with a sermon titled, Old Things Passed Away. It was based on the epistles of Peter. And from that point until now, we have covered every parable spoken by the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Yahshua Messiah. And for that cause, I'm proud to be bringing you this final study on the parable of the barren fig tree. This particular parable is found only within the Gospel of Luke And it's found in the 13th chapter, so please turn there. But while you're turning there, there have been many ups and downs over the last six months of preaching these parables. We basically began preaching them in order of difficulty, going from the easiest into what the world considers to be some of the more difficult parables of Yahshua ending ultimately with the unjust steward, the unjust judge, the parable of the budding fig tree, and now the final sermon, the parable of the barren fig tree. And as a result, this is to be expected, my friends, because every time Yahshua would teach, there would be a division. And this is oftentimes how we as preachers know if we are preaching sound doctrine or not, because it passes the text test. And therefore, this is something I'd like to bring forward. Since April of 14, at least, I've been preaching from Luke. I've been preaching the parables of Yahshua. And now, as it stands, I'm preaching to an entirely new group of people because my supporters have all gone. My listeners have all gone over one theology or another. Even something as simple as using the word Jesus or Lord in a quote verbatim from the authorized Bible. And over the years I've learned that many times we as the Israelites will just erect whoever it is that tells us what we want to hear. And sadly, within Christian identity, there are sects just like that. They come in and they tell you what you want to hear as opposed to what the Bible really says. And one of the things I've gotten the most guff over, ironically, 
in teaching the parables is pointing out that none of these parables relate to non-whites. And therefore, that means that the Israelites truly are the apple of Yahweh's eye, the focus of His ministry. And Yahshua taught this. He said He came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But those that glory after the flesh, those that can only see the flesh, thinking, well, I'm an Israelite, I'm great, they don't like to be reminded that they're the only nation on the face of the earth that can hurt our Heavenly Father. And time and time again, we do this. We hurt our Heavenly Father over stupid ideals and theologies, doctrines that aren't even sound. My point with a majority of this is if we truly teach the Bible according to the text test to establish doctrine, you will see that many things, not all, but many things that are taught within Christian identity are simply our own traditions, making us no better oftentimes than the Pharisees who could only see their flesh because many of them were descendants of Judah, the tribe. Not all of them, because we know from Revelation chapter 2-9 and 3-9, both, that they are they who say they are Judeans, but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. This does not disannul the fact that the Israelites and the Judeans both hurt Yahweh God. After all, Judah is just a tribe of Israel. So we could just sum it up like this. Now what we're going to look at today being the parable of the barren fig tree, should not be confused with the parable we just did titled the parable of the budding fig tree. They're entirely different. In the budding fig tree, it centers around the day of Yahweh, or His return. And we know that Yahshua returns on a white horse. I've preached on the return of Christ And this parable of the budding fig tree is about his return. His disciples come. In short, they ask him, what are the signs? How will we know you're about to return? And Yahshua goes through all of these signs. The most important of which, in my estimation, is the abomination of desolation. Why? Because we learn in Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. John says, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as the sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell under the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. So when Yahshua was teaching his parable of the budding fig tree. In short, saying that when you see buds of leaves coming on a fig tree, you know that summer is near. You know the time is near. He said that because we should understand that this great abomination of desolation that comes, many people consider him just to be a singular antichrist, even though there are many antichrists. When he comes, he takes away the daily sacrifice. He comes at the sixth seal. And we just learned what? We learned that at that point, the stars of heaven fell under the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs. So my point with Yahshua's parable that we covered before this one, the budding fig tree is this. It's correct. 
in every regard. And all we need to do is look at these signs. Again, it comes down to the text test. Because what we're going to be looking at today centers around figs. And I'm going to take you from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to look at what figs truly represent in Scripture. We did this partially in the parable before this one, the budding fig tree. But today, we're going to look at this parable found only in Luke chapter 13. Beginning in verse 6, we read, He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. Now that is a separate parable in and of itself. It's found here only in Luke chapter 13 between verses 6 and 9. And in order to fully understand this parable, we need to understand certain terms that are used within it. For example, Yahshua begins by saying, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Fig trees within vineyard is a common theme that you will find running throughout Scripture. Going all the way back to the very beginning. He also says that there was a certain man who had a fig tree, and it was within his vineyard, where the grapes grow, meaning that you can also make wine from figs. But the point of this parable is that a certain man, which in almost every parable of Yahshua represents Yahweh, had a fig tree. And he came to that fig tree over the course of three years, which was exactly how long Yahshua taught. Now, in dealing with this topic of figs, I'm going to have much controversy, because people don't want to hear what figs represent. They want you to come in and basically say, oh, the bad figs are all the Jews. But we must define even the word Jew. Here we have already established that a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came to seek fruit thereon. Fruit. Yeshua, Jesus, straightforwardly taught that you can only know a tree according to their fruit. He taught this in Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 and also here in Luke chapter 6 verse 44. Christ had no problem equating the Israelites to trees. And more specifically, the Israelites are equated to a specific type of tree. So in order to really shed light on this parable, which on its face is very simple, the concept is you have a tree, it's not bringing forth fruit. Before you cut it down, what you do is you turn the soil around the base of it. You put composted manure upon it. You water it well. And you see if it gives you one year of fruit the year after. Why is that important? Because it is the will of Yahweh God that all come to repentance. That's His will. That's His heart. That's His desire. 
that every Israelite quote-unquote tree come to repentance. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. And we read, The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Who? Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden. All the way back in the beginning. And we learn at the very beginning of chapter 3. Verse 2. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now I could teach five hours here in relating to the seduction of Eve. In fact, I have preached five hours. I have a sermon titled, The Seduction of Eve, that I did with my old co-host, Obadiah. But what you need to understand is all the way in the very beginning when Adam man was created, when Adam man was placed within a proverbial garden of Eden, or garden of paradise, we could say, there were many trees within that garden. Many trees. And one of the first things that Adam and Eve did after the seduction was their eyes were opened, number one, and after that they cover the objects by which their offenses had occurred. They sew big leaves together and they make for themselves aprons. Now, Adam and Eve are a family tree, are they not? In fact, we trace Christ's own genealogy all the way back to Adam and he was considered a son of man or a son of Adam himself. But this is quite important in understanding because the eyes of them were opened and they knew that they were naked, meaning they did not know this before. They were innocent. But after this quote-unquote original sin had commenced, once they realized they were naked, the first thing they did was sew fig leaves together and make for themselves an apron. Verse 8. And they heard the voice of Yahweh God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh God amongst the trees of the garden. The trees of the garden. What type of trees do you think these are? What type of fig tree do you think Adam and Eve represent here exactly? Because we know that family tree means just that, family tree. And there were many family trees within the Garden of Eden. So much so that Adam and Eve put fig leaves upon their body and hid themselves amongst the trees. What does this mean? Well, this means that Adam and Eve, the first created and set aside that were special to Yahweh God, all the way in the beginning already equated to fig trees. Fig trees. Now in my last sermon, I proved to you that Hosea chapter 9 verse 10 proves that the fig trees are patriarchs. Where we read, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at her time. But they went unto Baal Peor, and they separated themselves unto shame. And their abominations were according as they loved. What did we just learn here from Hosea, a minor prophet? That Israel are like grapes, meaning a vineyard, and 
I saw your fathers, your forefathers, like Adam and Eve, all the way up to Father Abraham, as the first ripe in the fig tree at her first time. So, point one, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves. They ultimately were a family tree that led to the patriarchs, and the patriarchs led unto the twelve tribes of Israel. Therefore, we should not be surprised when we learn that Israel, Judah being part of that, are the good and bad figs of Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 2. And we covered that in the last sermon. The minor prophet Joel, in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, said that Israel under judgment are equated to figs. Figs come off of fig trees. The patriarch's fruit would have been what? The fruit of their womb. The twelve tribes of Israel and ultimately leading up to Yahshua. Yahshua, who gives this parable of the barren fig tree and the parable of the budding fig tree. Now, the teaching behind this parable of the barren fig tree goes much deeper even than that. Turn with me to the book of Judges. And right here in this book of history, we are given another allegory, another parable, and it fits right in here. It has to do with fig trees, and fig trees are smart, just like grapevines. But when we oftentimes turn unto a man, we look for a ruler, as opposed to Yahweh God, we are given a ruler. We're given an unrighteous ruler nine times out of ten. So in Judges chapter 9, let's begin reading in verse 8. The trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. Stopping right there. These trees, these trees represent people. And they represent the Israelites seeking a king as opposed to Yahweh God, as we did in the times of Saul. When we said, we want to be like the other nations, we want to have a man-king like they do. And God says, fine, if you don't want me to reign over you, I'll give you Saul, the keeper of the jackasses. But perhaps that's a study for another day. Here, in the book of Judges, this is a prophetic parable of Jotham. Now, you may not know this account, but out of the blue, we're given this allegorical, poetical teaching that ties right into the parable of the barren fig tree. The trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness, wherewith by me they honor God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? And the tree said unto the fig tree, Come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness? and my good fruit, and go to be promoted over the trees. Then said the trees unto the vine, my friends, the very vine itself, come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, who the trees, should I leave my wine which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? Third question. None of these are going to leave their post, the olive tree, the fig tree, nor the vine. Why? Well, should make perfect sense. But what do they do next? The trees, representative of the patriarchs, representative of Adam and Eve and their descendants, and the figs that come off of those represent good and bad figs. 
those that don't bow knee to Baal or Baal Peor, and those that do and continually hurt Yahweh God, this is what they do. In verse 14. Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church, so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Do you notice that they go, basically, to God, the Holy Spirit, then Christ, and then ultimately turn unto a bramble, a polite way of saying a weed, a thorn in your side. The bramble says, yeah, I'll be your king if you appoint me over you. Well, perhaps these very trees that were going after this man-king told within this prophetic parable of Jotham that's found only here in Judges chapter 9. Perhaps that should shed light on why the Bible straightforwardly tells you that there are good and bad things. And the Jew doesn't enter that equation, not when it comes down to Israel and Judea in the times of the judges. And that's where most of this transpired, my friend. The remnant that did not bow knee to Baal, that remnant is reserved. That remnant will be alive during the fulfillment of Yahshua's parable of the budding fig tree. There, in short, the generation of the fig tree. But here the parable is about a barren fig tree. And what I want you to understand about figs and fig trees is that the Bible truly confirms from beginning to end that trees equate to the Israelite people. In fact, Christ said this to Nathaniel in the very first chapter of John. In fact, let's turn there very quickly, because I think this is important. This is in his calling of the twelve. This is when Christ calls out his disciples unto him. It's in the very first chapter of John. Most of us know this by heart, because it begins on the premise that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But what's interesting about John chapter 1, and we begin reading in verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, 
Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. What a powerful statement, because outside of Nathanael and this testimony from the lips of Christ Himself, there's only one person in Scripture considered to be guileless. And that's Yahshua. But here's Yahshua Christ saying of Nathan, Behold, here's an Israelite, and there's no guile within him. Verse 48, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, meaning teacher, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. The King of Israel. The Israelites understood that. The Pharisee did not, and many of them were Judeans. But you already know the story. Around the times of Solomon, both split into separate nations. And they're still separate. But that being a study for another day, what you need to understand is that Christ said, before Philip even called you, I saw you. And I saw you under a what? A fig tree. Now, time will not allow, but at one point in Yahshua's ministry... He put mud upon a blind man's eyes, giving him the ability to see when he wiped the mud off. And the first thing he said to Yahshua was, I beheld men as trees walking. So, look that up in your own free time. My point with this is usually, fig trees represent the Israelites. Very simple concept to understand. And if you understand the Israelites are technically fig trees or the figs that come off of them, which have within themselves their own pit, so they can each fig become their own tree. Perhaps you understand the parable of the barren fig tree, because here is a tree found within a vineyard, just like grapes are found within, and it's not bringing forth fruit. What Yahshua taught are the works of men. Let's confirm that very quickly. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 15, we read, Yahshua speaking, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them who? False prophets, people, men. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Figs of brambles, my friend. Do you understand now why it took you to Judges and that awesome parable found within chapter 9 where the trees are saying, give us rain, and even the fig tree said no, the patriarchs. Well, this is important because in Revelation chapter 6, and we briefly covered this, when those stars fall to earth, that's at the sixth. In Luke chapter 6 also, and verse 44, Yahshua says, a good tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree or proverbial family tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Do you understand now how this ties into judges? <laughs> 
where the trees go to who? Bramble. But they also go to a fig tree, do they not? And they go to a grape. Dull here, my friend. So, turn with me to Proverbs. And I'm going to establish one more thing. In Proverbs chapter 27, we read, beginning in verse 18. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. He that waiteth on his master shall be honored. In the parable of the budding fig tree, the main theme was be on the alert. It centered around this teaching right here in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 18. And that is, Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. Therefore, it should make sense why the certain man says this fig tree is not bringing forth fruit. God was not gaining increase from the fruits, or any fruits whatsoever, from that particular Israelite. Therefore, Yahweh God says, come and cut it out. This fig tree is good for nothing. Good for nothing. But the worker of the vineyard, in the parable of the barren fig tree, reasons with Yahweh God. Does he not? Indeed he does. He says, give me one more year. Let me tend to this tree just a little bit more. Verse 8. He answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also. Give me one more year, he says. And I'm going to dig around the base of it, and I'm going to dung it, quote unquote. I'm going to compost this tree. I'm going to see if I can get some fruit out of this tree. What can we learn from the parable of the barren fig tree thus far? Well, it's obvious that fig trees represent the Israelites and every generation. And the figs represent the fruits or the works of that particular Israelite. And indeed, we're only touching the tip of the proverbial iceberg here in dealing with this topic of figs. I've even thought about maybe bringing a study in the future titled Figs in the Bible. Just because it's that important. As you see, in Genesis 3, it already begins. Why did Adam and Eve choose fig leaves to cover their nakedness? And perhaps, more importantly, why did Adam and Eve feel the need after their eyes were opened and they were ashamed and they showed red in the face and they blushed before Yahweh God. Why did they feel a need to cover their privates exactly? Why did they feel a need but have never felt that need beforehand if the original sin is simply eating an apple off of a tree? The trees in the Garden of Eden are obviously representative of people. And that's from the mouth of Christ Himself. We covered that today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. Luke chapter 6, verse 44. Very important teaching. Because you only know a person according to the fruit that he brings forth. This can mean his offspring, the fruit of the womb. But this can also mean what they do. What they go after. What their heart inclines unto. So don't lose sight of that. Now, in order to really kind of understand what I'm saying, to concrete this within your mind, we're going to look at where Yahshua curses the fig tree. And this is found in the Gospel according to Mark. In St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, the beginning of this chapter is Yahshua's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This is when they are hailing Him, Hosanna in the highest. But we read in verse 12, And on the morrow, 
when there was come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. When did this happen? This happened on Tuesday. The same Tuesday that Yahshua goes into Jerusalem, curses the fig tree, and overturns the tables of the money changers. Perhaps you know this story. The disciples come by much later, and they marvel that Yahshua would just kill this fig tree. He came upon it, and there were leaves on it, and there were no figs. So Yahshua denounces a fig tree. Now, if you don't understand that the patriarchs and the Israelites are the fig tree, that will make no sense to you. In fact, it'll seem out of the blue. Because of all the good things Yahshua did, why would He kill this tree simply for not having any fruit upon it, right? Because He was hungry? Because He was spoiled? No, not at all. Because it represented something that was not foreign to the Pentateuch nor the Old Testament prophets. And that is the teaching, that fig trees abide within the vineyard. Yahshua says, I am the true vine, abide within me. Grapes and fig trees are interlocked within Scripture and almost every prophecy. Quite interesting, is it not? Nathaniel was found under a fig tree. And Yahshua told him he was an Israelite in whom was no guile. He doesn't say he's a non-white, he says he's an Israelite, just like the generation of the fig tree. When Yahshua told the disciples all the signs of His second coming, He said, this generation shall not pass away until all be fulfilled. The generation, that genia or gene of God that was placed all the way back in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 where God forms man, creates man, He breathes within man, man becomes a living soul. That's the first man, Adam, that we learn about in the New Testament. But the last man, Adam, being Yahshua, the Christ, became a quickening spirit. What can we learn from this? That those who see the flesh, they'll only see the flesh. They're going to come in, they're going to tell you all Israel saved. The Bible doesn't necessarily teach that. The Bible teaches all they of Israel aren't necessarily Israelites. Confirms it in Revelation 2.9 and 3.9 about the Judeans as well. So the bottom line is, Christ says you will only know them according to their what? Fruits. And what are they but proverbial trees? It is the will of God that all come to repentance. And that, my friend, is the main theme of the parable of the barren fig tree. Because, to God, we are useless without fruits. Notice it was a three-year period. Yahshua preached for three years exactly before He was ultimately crucified. After two of His most mysterious acts. One of which is cursing the fig tree so it withers and dies. And people say, hmm, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that represents. That's because they're unstudied. Obviously haven't read Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve were found within a garden or a vineyard surrounded by trees and they put fig leaves upon themselves. But if they miss that, they surely miss Hosea. They miss Jeremiah. They miss Joel. All these things were spoken in spring during the time of the Passover. The cursing of the fig tree happened during the Passover week, His Passion Week. 
And it was meant to represent that he was opening the covenant up now to those of the Gen, the Gentiles. And many of the first right figs had issue with that. And many imposter Jews did as well, but that's not the purpose of today's study. We've covered every parable of Yahshua as of now, my friend. And a good chunk of them are all spoken rebuking the Pharisees. Pharisees who could at any time technically come under the covenant, but refused Yahshua. And the biggest irony of all of this is the Pharisees sat in Moses' seat. They taught the traditions of men as opposed to the Pentateuch, the law of God. They would pervert the Old Testament prophets and burden the Israelite people. Therefore, it stands to reason why Yahshua cursed the fig tree because it represents Judean kings. And it stands to reason why he turned over the tables of the money changers that same day. Because many of the Pharisees, some of which were Judeans and Benjamites, were making his father's house a den of thieves. A den of thieves, my friend, Yahshua will return as a thief in the night. Make no mistake. And so with that, I do want to tell you that we have two ideas on the table as to future series. One is a redo of my Ten Commandments series, which means about ten one-hour sermons looking into each of the commandments spoken by Christ and Moses and how they come into existence, how they apply today. And the second being one on each disciple. In fact, we recently did one on Stephen. He was the first Christian martyr in the book of Acts. And he teaches a discourse on the Israelites. And if you know the story of Stephen, the same thing was fulfilled within him. He came to a group of people and the Pharisees were there. Make no mistake, Saul was right there, who ultimately became Paul later. And he told them the truth, that the Israelites were both the good and bad figs. That the non-whites didn't enter into the equation, to paraphrase. And what did the Israelites who only saw the flesh do, the Pharisees? Under the consent of Saul, they stoned Stephen, and he fell asleep. And so, the idea for our second coming series is just that. One on each disciple, their greatest act what it was that they did, why they were chosen, what tribe it is that they represent. And so I leave that to you. What would be your preference, dear listener? Since we've now completed every series that is open with the exception of Hermas, and Hermas is a Gnostic series. We only do two a year, in May and November respectively. So every audio series is now concluded on Covenant People's Ministry, and we're toying with those two ideas. One on the Ten Commandments, one on the Twelve Disciples. So within the next few days after you hear this, do not hesitate to email me or post a comment on YouTube and let me know what your preference would be. And we'll probably bump that to the top of the queue. Another thing that's very important, and I briefly discussed this at the beginning of today's study, and that is this. Oftentimes in preaching truth, as opposed to what people want to hear that appeals to their flesh so they can feel good about themselves and walk off and say, oh, I'm an Israelite, I have no guile myself. Many times when you preach the Word of God honestly, 
And according to that aforementioned text test that I was telling you about, you lose a lot of people. And while oftentimes when one man falls, two will rise to fill his place, that's not always the case within preaching the truth of God's word. In short, teaching racial CI doctrine. The world won't accept this. So it really comes down to you, the listener. We've had a few supporters. We've lost a lot of supporters. And I know that Yahweh God is He who ultimately has His hand behind this pulpit. And His hand behind the Covenant People's Ministry. Notice that it is called Covenant People's Ministry. That means it's for you. It's your ministry. I have the awesome responsibility and the privilege of preaching to Yahshua's sheep. Preaching to fig trees, we could say. So in short, if you haven't already, feel free to go ahead and support this ministry through PayPal or by mail. And also, a thank you to the few men and women and their families that have supported this ministry over the last six months especially. So, with that, and the conclusion of the parable series in its entirety, this is Pastor Visser, wishing you and yours great studies. War for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry! Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website, or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages, and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.